0: Welcome to Therapist Uncensored, a podcast where therapists freely speak their minds about real life matters. Welcome back. I'm Ann Kelly, And I'm
1: Sue Marriott. And we are aware that you just hit play for a specific reason. And we really respect your time and that you're interested in hearing this conversation. And so we're going to try to make this as impactful as possible. At Therapist Uncensored, we are integrating different strands of science. In particular, we are interested in attachment and the robust body of research in that whole area and in affect regulation, which is interpersonal neurobiology and polyvagal theory and all the cool science of the mind and the brain. And then we ground this all in depth psychology.
0: All right, now all that sounds a little intimidating, but we pride ourselves in doing this in a way that makes it understandable and really useful in your everyday life.
1: And if you've noticed, if you've been a listener for a while, we move around and we uh, talk about these things in different ways. But today we're going to do something a little different. So today, we want to engage, instead of like sort of the bigger picture, we want to kind of dive in just a little bit and explore our relationship to a particular experience that is probably going to be common to many of you.
0: The idea of being busy.
1: <laughs> right. And and I noticed you say the idea of being busy, but sometimes we confuse it, don't we?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, thinking about... When somebody asks you, how are you doing? What's one of the first things that come to your mind? Oh, man, I am so busy. It's true. It's <laughs> like a uh, hectic, crazy. But what's the
1: problem with that?
0: Well, you know, because when people are approaching you, oftentimes what they're wanting is a connection with you.
1: Right. You're, usually when you're asking somebody how they're doing, you're looking for a feeling. And guess what, guys? Busyness is not a feeling. I just found that out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we live there a lot. I, I thought but... it was a feeling.
1: No, I I didn't really think it was a feeling, but certainly many of us use it as a feeling.
0: Right. It's kind of a place mark. It's almost like you say that before you even decide what is really going on for you.
1: Right. And part of what we want to do then is like, why do we do that? Let's unpack it a little bit. Let's explore that human experience. Because there's some research that shows that that's actually not true at all, that we actually have more leisure hours in the day, that we're getting more sleep. When you do time comparisons across decades, that we're actually in pretty good shape so why might one arm themselves with busyness or, or they have an experience of being overly busy?
0: So that's a great question. And the neuro nerds in us have to really explore that on all levels. Just hit on one level is the concept that saying you're busy gives you a, a sense of uh, it's almost a status symbol right now in our culture. Like if I'm busy, it means that my time is very limited. I am very important. I am a
1: <laughs> VIP. Move out of my way.
0: I'm a commodity being sought after.
1: <laughs> and you also, you make an important point about it being culturally defined because there's certainly in some cultures busy it's upside down that people who are able to find more leisure are seen as a higher status. For some of us, that is reversed, except in Austin, Texas, where slackers. If <laughs> <laughs> you've seen the movie, they're valued too, but in a different way.
0: Yeah. And actually it can almost produce a sense of guilt if you feel like you don't have your days full, if you feel like you'd have too much leisure in your experience.
1: Well, and I was thinking actually about, we all have the exact number of hours in the day Mm -hmm. Uh, We have the same number of hours in the day that Einstein had, (laughs) or that Elon Musk has, yet it's more kind of what we choose to do with those hours, and how we choose to relate to them.
0: Well, that's an intimidating example. (laughs) (laughs) Right?
1: But it's not really that there's not enough time. It's how it is, what our values are,
0: and what we're doing with our time. Right. And how we perceive the time. In fact, the thing oh, about yeah, it, that's good. Well, and it's also sort of shifted also in sort of what we value. It used to be in that we saw leisure time and sort of personal belongings as sort of this evidence of our accomplishments. And actually now, really, especially in the United States, it's the busyness. If, if we are constantly busy, we must be a commodity. We must be sort of sought after. It's, you know, time in and of itself seems so like a scarce resource. So if our time is scarce, then we must be quite the commodity. And in our culture, there really is something that's given to us that says, if you're busier, you're somehow more important.
1: Right. And that's important on two levels. One is it's in our culture. Right. It's not so Western culture, European culture, versus in some countries, idleness and being able to relax is valued.
0: You know what I mean? That That's flipped. Oh, that's true. Especially like there's a recent study in Italy that it's just the opposite. Those that have a lot of leisure time is actually seen as more status, where those who are so busy in the United States has higher status. So you're right. It's sort of, sort of culturally dictated.
1: And I even saw an ad the other day, a travel ad. I can't remember where it was. Maybe Norway, where the whole ad was it was selling silence. And it was <laughs> just these two chairs in front of something beautiful and they were like, come here and be quiet. <laughs> so you pay to go to, to, to sort of settle.
0: Yeah, and the idea of settling sounds sort of theoretically good, but why do we all struggle with it so much?
1: Right, and there's a consumer study that is about, if given the choice, that there's this urgency effect. And so if there's a feeling of a time expiration, that it kicks us into action. So, you know, blue light special for a limited time only. People have been using this for a long time to get people going, you know. Right now on aisle five, and all of a sudden you're pushing your cart really fast <laughs> aisle five. I don't even know if they're to. <laughs> exactly. So that our brain tricks us, because that's not an important thing. We didn't even want anything on aisle five, but we're suddenly running to aisle five. That what has pulled us in is this sense of something expiring. And I think this ties into something, Ann, you want to talk about, about purpose.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that, well, one of the things is if we're busy and we actually consistently keep busy, it feels like we're living a purposeful life. And that's really important. Our happiness, or, or maybe it does. Our busyness gives us a sense of importantness. But when you sort of slow it down, the good question is, and sort of the, like we're talking about busyness. If you notice, we're not talking about stress. Right. And so what's the difference between sort of busyness and stress? And some of that is a matter of perspective, really, because busyness, this constant feeling of busyness can feel fulfilling or it can feel overwhelming. If you're answering your friend, I'm so stressed, I'm so busy, what are you actually feeling in your body? Does it feel purposeful or does it just feel like out of control?
1: Right. So kind of what you're saying is, are you saying to your friend, my life is so rich and so full? Right. Or are you saying to your friend, I'm out of control of my schedule, and all these things are happening to me, and it's a source, I want to say stress, even though it's a little different than stress, I think. But I think what you're saying is it's how we are orienting to it, and whether or not there's a value in it, that we're seeing value in it. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. And,
0: And are we taking the time to figure that out? I would suggest that a lot of times, I know for me, when I'm answering that question, half the time, I don't know, if am I really, really stressed, or am I sort of just humble boasting? You know, I'm like, <laughs> you know, like I don't mean to be, but oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah. oh yeah, you think you're busy? Well, <laughs> yeah, look at my calendar. Have <laughs> all these important things going on, you know? And so, do we take the time to sort through that? And that's one reason why I think the science around this is really, really rich and important, and can be, I think, interesting and informative about this. And that is like, we are actually a little scared of idleness. So one of the things is one of the ways to tell is it busy and fulfilling. Or is it sort of just busyness? Is are you being driven by fear and anxiety, or are you driven by purposefulness? And, sometimes, and
1: how, how do you figure that out?
0: Well, one of things is also to understand that our uh, attempt to fill our time all the time might be due to the fact that being idle in ourselves actually brings most people a high level of discomfort.
1: So, are you suggesting that all the people that are looking at their iPhones while they're standing in line? Might be something else
0: going on about that? (laughs) Possibly, yes. (laughs) I'm I'm suggesting very much so. And it's a question to ask yourself. Are you doing it? And here's an interesting study, and that is a group of researchers had individuals sit idly in a room for just 6 to 15 minutes. That's it. And they gave them nothing. Nothing to do. They didn't have their iPhones. They had nothing. Then they reported kind of what happened for them and their contentness around this and most people reported a high level of discontent. That may not shock you, not so interesting, but let me add one element to this. And that is prior to this, they had individuals shocked for another study and they reported that the shocks were really adversive. In fact, they would pay $5 to not be shocked again. And yet when they're put in this room for six to 15 minutes with nothing to do, but they have an option to actually shock themselves. <laughs> that's hysterical. They get this often to shock themselves, oh, even no, though they report it.
1: Going, this is awful. Isn't it?
0: Now, now it may be that some people just like to shock themselves, but these are people that said, I'll pay $5 to not get shocked, but stick me in a room for 15 minutes with my own brain. They shock themselves? They choose many of them choose to shock themselves. That's how much discomfort we feel with idleness. And that's really important information because if you're not recognizing that idleness is bringing you discomfort, you think you're just compelled to pick up your phone. You don't realize you're scared. It's very important
1: that somebody may be trying to contact me right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's very urgent. So there's the urgency again. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I better be available. Exactly.
0: I better be ready. And And there was
1: one you mentioned, I think, before we went on air about being on the toilet. (laughs) <laughs> so, of course, I go right to the toilet example. So go oh, right yeah. ahead. go right ahead.
0: Don't quote me on this, but I believe it's like 38 million Americans shop on the toilet regularly. <laughs> <laughs> and so the idea of having idle time bringing us anxiety, this is actually universal. This is not just, we think it's a product of having our phones. I think our phones exacerbate what is already in us.
1: Right, because before phones are magazines. Exactly.
0: That to be idle is actually bringing a certain level of discomfort. And part of that is is a good thing. But the, the the funny thing is when given a choice, humans actually almost always choose the idleness. Now, isn't that interesting that you're going to choose an easier route if given that? We often will choose the lazier route if we don't have a purpose to it. If we don't actually see a purpose in it, we choose idleness and we don't really recognize that that's bringing us discomfort.
1: So if we're not seeing a purpose to sitting on the potty and <laughs> <laughs> that and weird. being with ourselves and letting our minds wander, yes, that we're going to be more likely to pick up the magazine or pick up our phone.
0: Yeah, we're going to be more likely to feel discomfort and seek something that we ascribe as purposeful That may actually be in some ways creating then that moves from busyness to stress. It may then be creating a sense of stress because guess what happens when you pick up your phone? You're going to see the three emails you didn't do and the two texts. And And then you feel important and needed and you
1: get that little dopamine spike, which is always good when you discover something. Oh, look who wrote.
0: Oh, it, look who texted. Ding, and, if, ding, ding. and if it stays in the element of importance, that's great. But what it often does is it leads us down to our incompetence of all the things we didn't get done.
1: Right. So again, that's that urgency mm-hmm. that I'm, I've got to respond to this thing when it's actually not that important that you it, your phone could be in another room and right. you could respond in hours and that
0: would still be good. And that would still be good, especially if you don't feel the purpose of the idleness, which we'll get to. But people will often choose, and yet we are actually happier if we choose a purposeful, more active engagement with the world. But if given a choice, like if you give an individual a choice, another study, I won't get into all the details, but if you're saying, hey, you get to go turn in this form you just filled out right outside the door, or you're going to walk for the 15 minutes we're waiting to go turn it in. I think what you're saying
1: is you fill out something and then you have a 15 minute break and then you're told you're going to do something
0: afterwards. Oh, you're going to let me talk about the study. Excellent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, exactly. You're like giving the, the, this resource stasis. You're going to give in between these two things. You have 15 minutes of idleness. So you're given the choice. Do you just go turn that form in right outside the door and come sit idly? That's what I would do. Or do you walk 12 minutes here and back? Which one would you choose?
1: I'd probably turn the form in and then, like, do very important business on my phone. <laughs> Unless they
0: kept you from that. No, that's right. But you would, most people are going to choose. And researchers sort of suggest it's likely due to actually our evolution and that is stasis yeah well we used to need to conserve energy in order to stay to survive so we have kind of an instinct to conserve energy so you couch potatoes out there we're looking right at you (laughs) (laughs) and you can give yourself a break we're supposed to like we believe our old brain believes we're supposed to conserve energy but guess what we don't really need that anymore but our instinct is to take the easier route but this is kind of interesting so all you have to do is give that same participant a very small sense of purpose about why to do the walk. Right. So I think the example that you'd
1: given earlier was that you would give them a piece of chocolate, no matter if they turned it outside the room, turned or, it in, or they walked and exactly. guess what people did?
0: Well, it, well, it, it, if they give you a slight incentive, you're going to get dark chocolate if you want and milk chocolate if you stay. You're going to go, oh, I'll go get the dark chocolate. But the funny thing is, it doesn't matter if they switch the types of chocolate. In other words, it really wasn't the motivation for the better chocolate. It's that if you just give a participant a silly minor reason or purpose to do it, they're going to choose to make that meaningful and they're going to want to be active. Want to walk. So
1: if, I, if you don't mind, let me say that again too because this is an important point. And this is my understanding of it, is that you say that it's the same piece of chocolate that they're going to get, that they're still going to turn it in, in the fast example. In other words, you're going to just put it outside the door. But if you change the chocolate in some way, so that in their minds, there's an incentive. So you give milk chocolate, if you stay in dark chocolate, if you walk, then much more likely you're going to engage in the walk because it feels purposeful. And the twist of it was, even if you said... You flipped it around and exactly. you said dark chocolate, if you turn it here and milk chocolate, if you go over there, that people still walked because right. there was a sense they had gained a sense of purpose. They were it, doing it for, exactly. the cho- for the milk chocolate.
0: And it didn't have to be sort of driven by but it's, so lots of research studies sort of support this. That's just one example that humans are likely to make up a sense of purpose. Does this sound familiar? In order to be busy rather than to sit idle, they will make the purpose up. And then the outcome of that is then they sometimes made you walk. You either walk or you stay and they didn't give you an incentive. And no matter what, happiness was related, highly related to the person that walked versus the person that was idle, whether you did it by choice or you were just told to walk. So we are actually happier when we are actively engaged with a sense of movement that makes us happier. But the interesting thing is, when left our own devices, we'll choose idleness.
1: But I think this all does go together. But yes. let me just be confused for a second. Because earlier you said that I don't, that we had an aversion to idleness. Yes. And now you're saying we choose idleness. So what's up, Aunt Kelly? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have an aversion to idleness because it creates some sense of an anxiety. And it's not necessarily that we recognize the aversion. We're like, sure, I'm going to sit. I would rather sit than walk. We don't recognize that it actually will bring us discomfort. And so what we're looking for is any sense of purpose to move. So we have an aversion to idleness with no purpose, is what I'm saying. Yep, I think that's right. But unfortunately, we'll choose idleness if we don't have a sense of purpose. So this relates to so much. One of the things, if you stop to think of it, is when you're idle, one of the things that can happen is that's when we guess what? What do you do oftentimes? I know for me, if I'm super idle and I don't have a sense of purpose... I'm not going to look for something to eat. Like a lot of binge eating happens because of our discomfort of idleness. Sexual activity
1: or drinking or whatever the self-soothing device may be, you're suggesting is because of our discomfort with kind of keeping our own company. In a minute, I want to talk about mindfulness. But before then, it gets into, again, going back to the brain, a state of mind that you're describing, I think, Anne that if you attribute, like you're saying, a purpose to it. Mm -hmm. So if you're idle in order to collect your thoughts um, or to daydream and that you mean to be idle, Mm -hmm. that that is not aversive. But if we are forced into idleness and we don't see it as valuable, Mm -hmm. then we're going to get
0: real antsy. Is that kind of what you're saying? It is. I am kind of saying that. The interesting thing is even sort of in saying, hey, you get to just relax and daydream, A sense of sitting and daydreaming, unless we feel like it's bringing us us some sort of meaning, if we're just told to do it, if we don't ascribe some meaning to it, we won't like it. And this is different than intentional mindfulness. Exactly. Mindfulness, if you think about it, when you go through intentional mindfulness, it's highly purposeful. You've decided to be mindful. You've generally decided that there's some meaning behind it. There's, and there is. It's an exercise. It's an exercise. And so you go with an intent to do it because you know it's going to bring you something. And so the truth is being busy You know, we talk about being too busy, and it is really, really stressful. Yeah, it's normally associated with bad things. It really, really is. And actually, there's some really amazing research out there right now that is really showing that individuals that report highly busy lives... Especially in last half of their life, is that right? Well, initially, the initial research was on last half, but it's actually proven to be true for even younger now that they've expanded it, that people that report busyness and having too many things to do, too less time to do it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, actually is directly related to many positive aspects of your brain in terms of the aging. A lot of the studies have been done on aging, and that's not new information. You keep your brain going. Right. Puzzles. and Puzzles, et cetera. New skills, learn to play the guitar, that kind of thing. So individuals that keep their brains busy, and I mean, that actually... Not even necessarily, they just keep busy. You say, do you have too much time? The questions around their busyness, they actually, it's directly related to improve cognitive abilities throughout aging. So it used to just be done on middle-aged to older individuals, but they're finding that all the way down to 20. So they have increased processing speed, better reasoning, vocabulary, and what's also really improved episodic memory. So encoding memories of events and things like that. So the slackers, are <laughs> their brains are a little slack as well. Is that what you are saying? Actually, the the busier we are, all right, couch potatoes out there. It tends We're looking to be. At you. <laughs> but what what's interesting about it it's the per, it's also the perception of busyness. So if you're busy, but you feel like you have out of control, and it's creating stress, and it doesn't feel like a sense of purposefulness, it's much more likely. If you feel like your life is getting away with you and it's out of control, it's more likely to hit you on a stress level than a positive productivity level. So I just level. thought of two examples. Okay.
1: <laughs> this is going to date me, but remember the Lucille Ball episode where the, the candies are coming down the conveyor belt and she's oh my supposed God, to wrap them <laughs> <laughs> So in other words, like she's not in control of the speed and she's trying to work and, you know, they it speeds up. I don't remember if it speeds up or she just gets behind or whatever. Right, she right, starts right. stuffing it everywhere. She starts eating it. Right. It's coming out of her mouth. <laughs> but the idea behind that is that when we don't perceive a sense of control and that things are just hitting us. So we're busy because, like, it's happening to us right. is where that we get into the cortisol and some of the stuff that's less healthy for us. This, right. this, I'm checking out if this is... So the other example is... Like you said that you would answer like, oh, I'm crazy, crazy busy, you know, and you're writing your brother and saying that. But then when you give the pause for reflection and your life is actually full and you're doing kids and dogs and house and relationship and our incredibly wonderful caseloads and this super fun, incredibly rich podcast and so on and so on, that none of these things would be things that we would X out. So in other words, that goes back to the fullness. And each of those things are very purposeful and meaningful. And so then we can turn it into the Lucille Ball example if we're not careful. Or I think what you're saying is if we can really pause and reflect that, no, I'm not busy. I'm full. I'm rich. My life is really rich with all these meaningful things. And it's my choice. And I choose all of them then that that experience is the experience of fulfillment and purpose. Right. And that then that's where that maybe we can be rocket scientists or something in the end, because we're going to be so cognitively <laughs> stimulated that our brains will be at the best that they can be.
0: That's a great point. Exactly. And, and, and what it requires is to take a moment to actually reflect, reflect on the business. So when you're answering, ask yourself when you're answering busy, 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 stop yourself and reflect Like is the busyness, and then I really, really highly recommend sort of quarterly reviews of like, is the time you're spending in that busy, busy, busy actually matching that part of you that feels fulfilled and, you know, and those matching up really will make a different answer. You can say, my life is actually super full. I don't have a lot of time for extra things, but it's a whole different body-mind association when you answer that question as opposed to just that emphatic quick answer. That makes so
1: much sense, and that makes me think again about what we started with about urgency, the sense of urgency, and being able to to distinguish between what's important versus a lot of us, you know, how we end up spending our time that we're calling busy might be social media, might be answering emails that we get lost in might be surfing might be I'm thinking of all these screen examples but doing things that feel like that we need to do them right now but in the big scheme of things the payoff is not like a way to measure is it important is what's the payoff when you do it and that a lot of times we end up pouring a lot of our energy even into rumination and worry and some of these things that might give us a sense of that we're doing something we've talked about that before on anxiety but if we can step back and it's like what's actually important and where, what are my values, how am I spending my time, that then we even the non-urgent things that are important, like child rearing yeah, yeah. uh, or even like if gardening is meaningful to you, you know, or just whatever the longer term, like um, having a business plan if you're in business or the things that aren't time limited, That's when we begin to like find them. And with that, then we have to make a more active decision. And maybe even what we would recommend as some of the outcome of this would be to time bound or schedule the things that are important, but not urgent, because that's going to get you on track to be moving towards a more meaningful and fulfilling experience of fullness rather than, you know, a -a (laughs)
0: whack-a-mole. Let's just take a quick break to uh, thank our sponsor. Now, our listeners come from all types of professions and backgrounds all over the world, and we're so happy about that. And we are also really honored that many of our subscribers are mental health professionals like Sue and myself. And like us, many of you did not become clinicians because you were ecstatic about focusing on the business aspect of your practice. We want our attention to be on our clients and other really important endeavors. And that is where Theranest comes in. Now, Theranest is a practice management system for mental health professionals, and it can really help easily streamline your whole entire practice. It has a client portal for scheduling and great calendar organization. It has HIPAA compliant notes and documentation, one-click claim submissions, credit card processing, and one of the really great parts also, it has a really amazing live customer service. So there's no reason not to check it out. You can try it for free. And as a listener, they are offering you 20% off for the first three months. And how you would get that is you would go to Theranist.com backslash therapist uncensored. We're also, we'll have a link on our website. So that is Theranist.com backslash therapist uncensored. All right, let's get back to our show. Yes, I like what you're saying. Let's just reemphasize that. There's a difference between important but not urgent. And that's really, really important because sometimes the urgent, but not necessarily important is what fills up our time, basically because the creation of the feeling of urgency.
1: Right. That's why I don't exercise (laughs) as much as I should. (laughs) It's that all these other things seem so important.
0: That's a great example. And yet exercise is more important.
1: That's exactly
0: right. But you don't generally feel an immediate daily urgency to do it
1: and the payoff is forever in the future
0: <laughs> there's no immediate
1: well there really is actually, actually if you start doing is. it but it's it's further away than for example right. whatever the thing is that i would pour my time into you know uh, making my kids a really hot breakfast yeah that's cool but is we it would, worth
0: we would put that in an important room it, yeah absolutely
1: but, but if i choose that all the time instead of doing whatever i need to do they would be fine without a hot breakfast <laughs> and they would really you know it's important for me to take care of myself so that's a great example i think of the things that we end up putting off unless we time bound it
0: well i think that's a really great example and by kind of what we're wanting to do is to get people to think about this. And that is because if we have a hard time with idleness and we really want a sense of importance, then that feeling of urgency is going to be immediately gratifying. It's like your immediate fix. And so we will tend to put a lot of our energy into what you're pointing out, the urgent, but yet less important instead of really slowing down. And you know, one thing we haven't talked about too is we've talked about in a lot of podcasts, but I think it's so relevant in this one. And that is what happens we're talking about that daydreaming state that we're feeling really uncomfortable, but we've really, you know, your brain actually never stops working just like your heart. So when you slow down and you're not actually task oriented, you're in the bathroom and God forbid you don't pick up the phone and you just let your mind go and daydream. You know, an example that comes to mind,
1: keep going, but I started thinking about some of my best consolidation of what
0: I'm thinking or feeling is in the shower. Oh, that's a great one. You're not, showers are really good, I love you put that one out because you're not likely to have your phone in the shower, although I guess you could nowadays, but exactly. You have these idle times, and what's actually happening in your brain, it used to be we thought most of our consolidation activity happened at night when we slept, but we're really recognizing through MRIs and some imaging how our brain in a resting state, and what we mean by resting is that you don't have a task That requires your full attention. So your mind's wandering, i.e., in the shower. So different than mindfulness practice. Different than mindfulness practice, because mindfulness is attentional focus. But your mind's just wandering and you're daydreaming. It's like that 15 minutes where we could shock ourselves. (laughs) That's
1: a terrible setting. You're going to have to, people aren't going to believe you. So you're going to have to reference this.
0: So, but in the shower, you have a purpose. So you're you're not getting anxious because you're showering. But while you're showering, your mind's rolling, right? You're likely thinking about your groceries list or your day, depending on what time. And in that resting state, your brain is actually activated in different areas. And they actually are doing a lot of research on that. I'm really excited about the research that's likely to come out on this. But one of the things we're really showing is that it's called a resting state. Some areas is default mode, but you've got a resting state happening in your brain. And there's a lot of theorizing about what's going on. But one thing is like you just used the word. Your brain's actually consolidating things. It's actually the time when most of your ingenuity can be tapped because your brain is open. And one of the things that they suggest is that different areas of your brain that aren't often connecting are giving chances to connect. And so really it is those daydreaming times. And what I I guess part of our purpose in saying this is if you find value in them and you really know that they actually give you something, they enhance your creativity. Most You mentioned Einstein's. Most of great theorists say they discovered their biggest moments while not focusing on them. But you have to give yourself room to do it. And if what we're talking about, you have a little bit of room and you start feeling guilty because it is so hard to give yourself space when you have 50,000 things to do and you think you're busy and you need to accomplish it all and you think idle time is a waste of time, you're not going to give it to yourself. And if what we're trying to say is, look, you think of it as purposeful and it's actually doing something really important for you, make room for it. Right, I was actually thinking of a bath or
1: Mm. some people talk about taking a drive. The
0: commute's a great one.
1: Right, commute. Although Um, we don't mind you listening to podcasts on commutes (laughs) too. (laughs) Because it's kind of conflicting, sort of, but it's actually not. That on one hand, the idle time, actual idle time where our mind is consolidating and sort of daydreaming and we're really not task-focused is actually quite valuable and healthy. And then if that's the case, and we're really feeling it that way, we're going to have more patience and room for it, like we won't be as averse to it. But then also you're saying that if you're busy, that that's good for you, right? Right. As long as the busyness is tied to purpose. Mm -hmm. So those sort of sound like they go in different directions, but they're not. So why I went back to what I'm calling the couch potato, those of us who might rest or whatever. So this is sort of a call To turn off the TV and either let yourself be idle, which is cool, Mm -hmm. or to learn a task to begin to push yourself a little bit and to begin to move and be active. Because either of those things are different than, again, that urgent but not important stuff like your TV show, (laughs) for example, Mm -hmm. or that Netflix series or whatever it is. They feel busy or they feel like you're doing something. They're not going to give you these rewards that Anne's talking about of either purposeful idleness or purposeful activity.
0: That's and a great point.
1: quick parenting point is this whole thing about kids being bored. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like they'll come up and say, Sue, I'm bored. And I'm like, hi, I'm Sue. You know, with the notion being that bored is, it's a negative state and If I jump and say, oh, here, let's play a game or let's do this thing, then I'm teaching them that bored is bad. And actually, again, this is kind of in common culture now, but that there's this high value in not having the active stimulation with the kids.
0: Absolutely. And that when you hear I'm bored, go for it. Like say, congratulations. Exactly. I
1: totally
0: trust you to figure that out.
1: Right. And because how it ties in is if you can teach your child that boredom is desired and it's where creativity comes from and all of those things. Then the boredom will be less aversive to the child versus if we're, if they don't think that, then I'm bored. It's going to have an exclamation point at the end of it. Like, <gasps> I'm bored.
0: Like, oh my God, it's a threat. Entertain me, entertain which, me. Which is actually gets back to the original point. Right, The boredom is actually then adversive because it brings up this sense of anxiety. But part of what we have to do with that is to help the child then go in, reflect, let that idle time. And guess what's going to come out of that? If you give them that time, they're probably going to find an activity for themselves that actually lights them up. So now, again, starting at the beginning of the show, we were sitting here saying being busy actually adds this really positive aspect to our brain and yet we're supporting boredom. But those, like you're you're making a great point, they're not in contradiction. Not at all. Because we can continue to have a busy, busy life and not feel at all fulfilled or actively engaged in our mind. And so the difference being is when you stop to review and go, okay, I'm busy all the time, but am I feeling fulfilled? Then you want more time in your day. You're not just trying to get through your day. One of the questions they ask individuals that are busy is do you generally want more time in your day? Do you wish you had it? And if you've packed your day full of things that feel like empty calories and don't get me wrong, sometimes finding a good program that you binge watch is wonderful. If you really can th- feel like you're actively making engagement to do that rather than you're doing it out of anxiety of having empty space. So I think the answer, what we're really kind of shooting for is really think about fulfilling your life, filling it up with rich, wonderful stuff. When somebody says, how are you are doing? Stop. Don't just say, I'm busy. Stop. How am I doing? And then think, I am so active. I can't tell you this is how I'm doing. And it may feel completely different. And if the only answer you have is, I'm so busy and stressed and busy and stressed, and you stop to think of it, you can't feel a purpose around that. That's probably a time for reevaluation.
1: And for those of you who think, well, I'm fine with being idle, then I guess the challenge would be, okay, Well, turn off all your electronics. Don't pick up a book and, you know, let yourself daydream and just see how long you can go. And the more comfortable you are with it, great. But if you begin to get a little antsy or what have you, that that's all we're referring to. Because I think sometimes we pick something up so quickly that we don't even know that we have an aversion to it. We just want to check our email. Oh, <laughs> like that's such a good point. We're not nervous because we're just, it's right there at the end of our hand. Or I'm going to pick my book right back up. Or whatever it's kind of it it's
0: it's one of those micro habits that we kind of get into
1: in order to fill in order to fill without
0: sort of being aware of it
1: that will typically be not in the important category. So I love this because the invitation just to kind of wrap it up is about meaning and purpose. I remember us talking about that in the habits one too. Mm-hmm. That if we can tie what we're doing to a larger meaning and purpose, whether that be sitting still or whether that be moving that we're going to do a lot better than sitting still with emptiness or running down the road with emptiness.
0: Yeah, I'd love that. I'd love that wrap up. And to add just a a little bit of that is also allowing that free time without purpose, knowing that that is actually purposeful. And to get back to this, sometimes we just feel guilty. I know I do sometimes. If I'm idle and I know I have so many things to do, it is really hard to feel comfortable giving myself that idle time, just laying around without, I'd almost rather turn something on rather than to feel like, because the minute I have that idle time, I can think of the 15 things I didn't get done that day. And I think that's a really natural process. So you kind of have to let yourself go, guess what? There is never going to be enough time in the day to get everything you need to get done. That's the one thing we can almost promise you. But what are the five things that once you get them done, you go, I have such a sense of purpose today. There's a big difference in those.
1: Okay, Anne, so for the wrap up, and this is for everybody, I want you to think about like what direction to move into to tie meaning in. So I'm going to challenge you that the next time that you are idle, you know, you begin to feel guilty. That oh
0: my God, as you're saying that, I'm already grabbing my pen to doodle. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's what I do when I have my idle time. I, here's my confession. I'm a compulsive doodler. And I will fill my idle time with that. So right as you're even saying that, I'd already intellectually grabbed my, okay, so I'm idle and now I've got my doodle and Ugh. I'm listening. Now what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, but the doodle isn't necessarily the same thing, right, as just filling up your time or being busy. I, I guess that's the question is like, does the doodling take you away from like, does it fill up your time? And then therefore you don't get the neural consolidation that you would get if you put your pen down and that could be just everybody can do a little experiment with themselves of Mm -hmm. uh, just really pausing and questioning your purpose of your activity at any given moment. So like, that's a great example. And I love that you said that is like the doodling actually might give your body a discharge so that your mind can be free.
0: I think it does actually.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I don't I wouldn't see that necessarily as the same thing as distracting yourself. Um, mm-hmm. because it's such an extension of who you are. But that's the question. That's that's what we want to model for people. It's like that's the question is like, huh, does it more fully connect me or is it emptying something? Like is, that. It so is it filling me up or is it emptying something? Right. You can starfish into <laughs> idleness, <Yeah. laughs> you know, arms and legs all the way out and just be like, okay, I all have right. total permission right now because I am brain consolidating. So people can just leave me alone because
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to lay here and just be idle. And really feel good about it. That's We're giving you exactly permission right. to be idle and feel good and also to be busy and That's feel good. That's what I was going to say. But for those of you that might need
1: a push in the other direction, it's like you're going to probably have a better time if. You are more active. And that's yes. some of the research that Anne was just talking about. If you get outside, if you walk a different direction, if you drive a different direction
0: and you give yourself a sense of purpose in that. That's exactly right. So when get you get dark chocolate <laughs> and when you give yourself a sense of purpose heading to that gym this next week, that's exactly right. Then that's how you get there. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. And if you enjoyed what you hear, please pass it on. And we would be, this is a labor of love, and we would feel great appreciation if you could take the time to write us, rate, review us. We listen and read all, and we really, really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, the reviews especially. We really just get so excited anytime there's a new review. So big wave to all of you who have left us a
0: note. We're so, so appreciative. Because we know it takes your time to do it That's <laughs> so you get busy with something <laughs> that does have value that would be meaningful and purposeful exactly <laughs> all right you guys we'll see you around the bend therapist uncensored is ann kelly and sue marriott this podcast is edited by jack anderson